allow me to start this episode with a thank you to Yoga Brian 1973 for his really generous review on Apple Podcasts. If I may read it to you. I look forward to every episode. Really interesting guests, lovely interviewing style. Yoga is not the only thing discussed, but life and what it throws at us with great tips and advice. I really enjoy this podcast and it's understandable why it's getting more popular. Well done, Kevin. Brian, thanks so much, mate. That that means a lot to me. And thank you to everyone who leaves your reviews, who offers suggestions, who asks questions, because this podcast is not just me talking to a wall. It's a community. And when you suggest people to come on or people you'd like to hear more from, it really helps to uh, understand what is of value, what is of interest. So today I have with me the Downward Doug, a.k.a. Doug Robson. And Doug has a great podcast himself, Getting Down With Doug. He is a stuntman. He's currently working on Batman. Oh, yeah, with Robert Patterson. He's working on a version of Jurassic Park, which is the latest one. So he has a very interesting life outside of yoga. But now he's moving into teacher training for yoga teachers. And this is a big part of what we spoke about today. We talk about this in quite a bit of detail. But also, as always with Doug, we do tend to get quite deep. We tend to um, talk about life. And uh, we even found ourselves talking about man's, human's search for meaning. Yeah, you know, to live is to suffer, to survive is to find meaning in that suffering. It got deep, yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode, as always, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend either in real life or share it on your IG stories. If you would, as always, got to do a bit of housekeeping, if you'd like to come to my next retreat with Rach, that is in April 3rd to April 5th in Leitrim in Ardenhoo one of the top 10 retreat centers in the world. We have three spaces left and it's a whole weekend of niceness. Any information you'd like to see in detail, go to my website, kevinboyyoga.ie. Without further ado, here is the man himself, the downward Doug. You, you just you just landed like an hour ago mm-hmm. and, um, and we're doing a podcast already. Mm-hmm. Because I, you said something to me, I think it was you, about like content. Was it good? Was it was it good. It, okay, yeah, it was me. <laughs> okay, yeah. But about how, like the importance of content. And I think Patrick Beats talks about this as well, how, you know, Instagram is fine and great, but you need content that's searchable, mm-hmm. that's evergreen. Yeah. That's always going to be there. And I and I, f- I feel like um, some of the best conversations I have are the ones that are not planned with people mm. that I know. I, I can't agree more. The guests that I like having on are exactly that. I don't need to prepare much. I don't need to draw answers out of them. I maybe need to steer them in a certain way. But certainly I like people on the podcast that have enough to say about themselves and about a, enough different range of subjects. Mm. Whether they're experts in that field or not, just that have something to say about those things, something interesting to say. And I think they do come out a little bit better when it's not too contrived. Mm. You know, I, I'm, you've had loads. How many episodes you you like? This is the, this you're like in hundreds. ninety. You're ninety. Yeah, about ninety now. Actually, not that many, huh? How many is that? That's basically you've been doing for, you do once one a week. So it's almost one a week. I've so you've done two years. Yeah, um, fifty-two weeks. Yeah, about that. Two years. Yeah. Damn. 
Yes, that's right. 104 will be two years. Yeah, and I've never missed. I only the only one time I missed a week was when I did my 300 hour training, mm. and I, I, yeah, that's the only time I ever, ever missed a week because I I said at the start before I started this the one thing I'm gonna do no matter what is be consistent. I mean, when you look at all the advice on starting these things, whether it's a YouTube channel, same with Instagram, to a degree, it is having a schedule. It doesn't have to be a it doesn't have to be any certain type of schedule. It just has to be scheduled. So people know when something's coming out. Mm-hmm. And I think with podcasts being weekly, it's a bit, it's pressure though, huh? Mm-hmm. Like to find stuff to do. But I think it's also, it's good to have that thing in your life that you commit to, that you make time for. Uh, it certainly kind of, it keeps, it keeps me organized, if nothing else, around that. Like that's the thing I gravitate around now. I missed my first one like two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And my life was just too busy. Like, it's just got too much. Now I've gone back to doing stunts. It's just, I forget how all-consuming that is. Doing so, the stunts? Yeah, doing the stunt stuff. It's just, there's not a lot of time to breathe. Um, mm. You know, so. When Navelle Ravikant said about making social contracts, and that's what I did when I started mm. the podcast, I said, no matter what, come hell or high water. Oh, geez, making me feel bad. <laughs> No, but we've all got our, our thing. Your thing, I would say, is video. You, you do video read exceptionally well, whereas oh, I, 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 I lack on that. And my, my thing is maybe the, maybe the podcast. Like mm. That's my one thing that I, I put most of my effort into mm. uh, because you can't do everything really well. It's so true. I, that's what I was finding when I had time to do the podcast and the videos. That was a big week. It was a big week making content. Uh, and where I do the content is quite far from me, uh, the videos. So mm. that's a big day. And when you're doing your videos, there is limits or are limits. I don't know. Someone will have to pick us up on that. Yeah. On how many you can do in the day for them to be fresh and good. Mm. You know, especially if you're doing like, I was doing those workouts too. So you are like, it's a tough day. Mm-hmm. So we're doing loads of them. So I try to get four done a day mm. and then edit them. And then... Uh, yeah, I mean, we were just talking about technological problems, but my Premiere Pro just decided I did 19 out of 20 videos edited, and then the 20th one just... I'll have to try again now. I actually had to step away through it because it upset me so much. It was two weeks of trying everything I could find on the internet going, I'll try that. That didn't work. Try that. Going really deep into forums, going <laughs> to really geeky places, got someone over to my house to look at the computer he couldn't fix it you know it's bad when the guy that's come over to fix your computer asks you the first thing that you ever did have you done this and you're like this guy's looking at the same <laughs> hymn sheet i did you know he's no expert and he was like you tried switching it over? oh fine. Uh, get, out. <laughs> get out get out so yeah um but i would like to get back to that stuff for sure um something i might be doing with another studio in london uh coming up uh doing a video for them, which I'm kind of keen on, but they want me to do it in Bali or Sri Lanka, wherever I go. That's nice next, um, which presents some problems for you to take your cameras with you, find a location, so on and so forth. I mean, problems, I mean, problems and opportunities. I don't mm. know if you know that the Chinese symbol is the same. What do you mean? Problems, opportunities, Chinese symbol. Uh, well, actually threat. The Chinese symbol for threat is also the Chinese symbol for opportunity. Really? Yeah. Not like it looks like it. It's the same thing. Mm. which is exactly what um isn't that a thing in business you do uh, it's like an acronym oh the SWOT analysis that, it, that's exactly what it is isn't it yeah strengths weaknesses opportunity threats yeah, yeah. exactly it's done uh, it was in the recess of my brain somewhere yeah two by two table yeah 
and then you work out where a good place to be is. Mm. Does anyone do it? Does that work? Or do you do you come up with the concept for the business you're going to do, and then do all this later when you want people to give you money? <laughs> you kind of fudge the facts, you know. Yeah. All the business owners I know don't do that. They go, "I want to do this." Mm. Yeah, then, I think planning is overrated. I really do. And I feel the same. Not that planning is bad, but people seem to get stuck in the planning phase. Mm. They get really bogged down. Like this. Like when you started this, I'm sure there were some hiccups with starting the podcast. Mm. And there were things you could never have planned for. Something always comes up that wasn't in the video that said, okay, best way to start a podcast. You listen to all that stuff. You watch all that stuff. But you can only retain a certain much amount of information. And then you start doing it and inevitably you will do something different to how they did it. There'll be slight nuance changes like we just saw there's a firmware update. So exactly. when you look in someone's up, you look in someone's tutorial, it's from like 2019, which it may as well be a decade ago. Mm. Like that kind, of, that kind of thing gets to you. And I think people get stuck in that planning phase, whether it's a change in their life or relationship or anything. And it, it only ever is a thing that they thought of doing once, mm. you know? Well, well, before we started recording, we were talking about how people want to start podcasts or they, or, they, or they don't want to. But if they do, how many people want to but never do? And when you want to do something like this, the amount of work it takes before it actually starts is incredible. Mm. It's, and, it's w and you hit so many roadblocks that you, it'll just put you off. And it requires a lot of mental determination to keep trying to figure things out especially if you're not very technical. But then once you do that, once you have that set up, uh, th then that, all that work is done. Mm. And then it's, it's, it, gets more, it gets easier and easier the, yeah. the more you, you stick out the process. And I think you learn something. You, you learn, how can I say, you don't just learn the solution to that problem. You learn ways to find solutions that aren't necessarily the same for everyone. Mm. So you get to know this thing in front of us, you get to know the road cost well. So you make a few mistakes and you're like, I don't even know what this menu is. Fast forward four years from now and you're like, ah, that, I know where that is. Or maybe not four years, even less, four months, you'll be like, oh, I know where that menu is. I've seen it before by mistake. Mm. You know, and that's what ends up happening with these things. It's, it's like putting in the legwork and you, you may get lost a few times, but you get to know the labyrinth that is your data that is your technology that is the podcast you're going to do and you get to know it so well that you know where all the crypts are so you never get lost again mm -hmm. and you've got all the keys now yeah. maybe maybe the, maybe the first few months is you trying to find the keys to all the different rooms that unlock different things and you don't always know where they are mm -hmm. but you get there mm. and you don't you don't forget no like, no exactly once it's so you know funny it, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of you make that mistake once you're like oh now I know Mm. But it's kind of those things are related. How hard you've had to work to get the solution seems to be related into how long it'll take for you to forget something. I think those two <laughs> things are are related. You know? <laughs> Same thing. Like I've got friends. I show them stuff on Premiere Pro. They have to keep asking me because they're not. They don't learn how to solve the problem. They learn how to ask me. Mm. There's a big change. There's a big difference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 also as well. Sometimes you forget how far you've come. I don't mean financially or status-wise, but how much you've learned, it, say, within the last year. S say, for example, now I come, still come up against roadblocks every day, but I remember back to a time not so long ago where I was thinking, I would love to have a podcast. How the hell do you do it? I don't know anyone else that has one. I remember actually speaking to quite a well-known podcaster 
Um, his name is Danny Pomploon, and uh, he's in the States. He's like, the guy is, uh, if you would think, if you're going to consider, say, someone a yoga entrepreneur, he's he's he does it all. Oh, it really? He has his own app as well. Oh, snap. That's, that's serious, yeah. Yeah, there's, but remember he said to me on the phone when I did a, I did a remote podcast with him, and he said, oh, everyone has a podcast now. And I said, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't. Mm. It's a it's a really small number. I mean, I've um, had people that have asked me about how to start podcasts. I send them information. You were saying the same thing as well. That you send people information, and but they don't start it because it's um, it can be a bit over- overwhelming. Mm. But but I heard someone say something great the other day. It was like, if you don't have an online presence, you, you're not building something for the future. You're not mm. you're not creating you're not creating content. You don't exist online as mm. it were and um i'm always i, w- I want to start doug and this is something i've just recently th- thought about is once uh, speaking directly to camera i don't know what you would call that vlogging <laughs> i suppose yeah, yeah vlogging but it's not one, gonna, one second yeah. i don't want this to um man, yours is really quiet if i touch the mics on my one it goes like don't oh yeah no it's, yeah, this is really good yeah i want to do videos where i'm just talking directly to the camera about things that people ask me and therefore I can put it on a a high quality video good audio and it's there forever Mm. and um, who's really inspired me is uh, I mentioned last time is Pat Divilly so I actually went to one of his he went to his master class last week Jenny Keane was there as well Mm -hmm. actually and uh, he does a bunch of videos on, on on YouTube he's done them just talking direct to camera and what I noticed was um in fact, how few views they have. But yeah, he's a superstar in Ireland. Mm. And he, and what kind of subject is he talking about? <clears throat> so, videos? for example, when I say few views, but let me just put it into context, you know, some of his videos that are a year, two years old have got 300 views, 400 views, mm. maybe less than a thousand. Yeah. But those people that are watching him really love him, mm. which, is, which is so important. You can look at someone like Jake Paul, for example. Crazy. And it's millions, Mad. and they just same drop. With, same with rice gum H three H three, like well, mm. not H three H three. I think have, they kind of reality check themselves, but certainly the rice gums and the Jake Pauls, and the KSI. Mm. You're right. Those I mean, those views are mental on those mm. things. But if you look at that and you think that's someone who's a YouTuber, therefore I'm not going to get there. You're never going to start it. Mm. And this is this is what I tell myself. I look at Pat, for example. He has, like I said, a few hundred views in, in his videos. But then you go to a seminar, which I went to last week, 600 people in a room, and they're all cheering for him, and everyone has their notepads with them, and everyone is really engaged with him. You know, they're, mm. they're true true fans, like Kevin Kelly talking about a thousand mm-hmm. true fans. And, um, so did you ask me a question there? Should I have? No, I thought you did. I thought you did. I thought you were, and Maybe I, thought, I, I don't thought know, I, but I'm enjoying this train. I'm yeah, on. Choo okay. choo. Let's go. So this what, is great. What what I noticed? A few takeaways. I haven't spoken about mm-hmm. this because it only happened last week. A few takeaways. First, how nervous he was. Mm-hmm. Incredibly nervous. Like he was uh, at the start. You know, he was kind of trying to get his words together. I mean, he was he was good, but he, he you could tell he was he was nervous. And I was like, wow, you don't see. Like say Tony Robbins, for example, he is always ultra confident. Doesn't mm. seem like he ever gets nervous and stuff. But that is actually not that um, endearing, you know. No. It's a bit overpowering. I don't think Tony Robbins, 
his style goes down that well in England, Ireland. Oh, that's and a very American, very American, very American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the whole uh, it's almost like quite aggressive in a mm. way. Whereas Pat is um, very humble, quite like as I mentioned before, he's quite introverted. But I'm, I so inspiring to see someone like that um, who's really um, crafted to, and, and, and grafted to master this skill of speaking mm. and even though and he said himself like he came he came in and he was like oh my god i can't believe any people are here he's looking around like just gobsmacked he had planned to do it in the gibson hotel but so many people have booked in he had to upgrade at the last Dream. moment to, to the clontarf castle mm. and um everyone was hanging on his every word and what i wanted to talk to you about doug actually in terms of teacher training mm. is every it was a two-hour talk i would say every 15 minutes we were doing an activity, maybe 20 minutes. Mm. He'd get everyone to stand up. Every and you, So give you an example. Uh, okay, he talked about dreams. Uh, what, it, what, what is your dream? Write it down. So we'd write it down, everyone had a pad. And a pad and pen was given to everyone as well mm-hmm. if they didn't bring one. So you're, you, you're interacting because you're physically doing something instead of just listening and sitting there. And then when you write it down, instead of him being like, okay, that's great, next thing, he goes, now stand up, turn to someone you don't know, and you have one minute to explain that to them. And they can, and then they take their turn. And at the start, you, you're kind of like, oh, no, mm. this is awkward. But then you kind of get into it, you know. And that, if you do that every 15, 20 minutes in a two-hour talk, you're, you're in it. You're involved in the talk as opposed to, I don't, people can't concentrate for, for two hours just sitting mm. there. And I, I found this, this fascinating. You asked me, this was the question you asked me about what videos he does. So he does things like mindset how to be more confident, how to um, to plan, to set goals, this type of thing. And, I, and in, in with the context of teacher training, and this is why I, say, I think it's so important because obviously you're getting involved in teacher training now, which mm. you can talk about shortly. Um, there's a studio here in Dublin and they had a teacher come in who's like a legend teacher, worldwide legend, mm. older teacher, came in to teach one of the uh, modules for the or, or I think a part of the, the teacher training and for eight hours of that day everyone was just sitting listening and it was just the teacher telling us stories about you know the, what they did back in the day and, and this and it was just simply sitting listening and they uh, the feedback that I heard was that a bunch of people were like I'm out mm. I, I didn't sign up for this I can't sit for eight hours and just listen to someone because now we're, we're different the, the, we, we're, we're changing as humans we maybe because of the phones or entertainment or the media i'm not sure but we need to be stimulated mm. you know every um 20 minutes or so or half an hour maybe we need an we need a reinforcement of the information we've just learned through a game through an activity through a group exercise something and that was fascinating for me i i made me think like you need to change how you teach to suit your audience you can't, just because you've taught yoga for 30, 40 years, and you may know way more than everyone else will ever know, which is great, and I, that's brilliant. But if you can't deliver that in a way that gets into people's minds that they can absorb it, it's useless mm. for them, as it were. It's great for you as, as, the, as the guru. But, and that made me really think about how I deliver content. Because I, I, I find that I plan so much, I never get a chance to, to teach it all because I've planned so much and instead of doing that now I'll make my plan and every 
I'll try and time it like every half an hour, I'll put in in red an activity, an exercise that we're going to do together. And the thing is, Doug, the activity doesn't even have to necessarily relate directly to the mm-hmm. content. It's just to get people moving, interacting, talking. Ideally, if it, if it yeah, relates. If somehow, yeah, and even if it's tenuously linked. Te- exactly. Yeah. Um, but that was a big takeaway for me because... I think, uh, sorry, I'm going on a bit here, but like... A, a no, this is good. I mean, this is pretty much what I asked you like earlier this week. Yeah. These are gems. This is exactly okay, great. what I need. Yeah. Great. I'm glad. A big killer for productivity or simply starting is that we, and I'm talking about me here obviously as well, want everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. When I did my first weekend of teach training, I had every single thing planned. Where I was going to stand, what I was going to do with my body language, where uh, everything was planned. I had every word for word, what I was going to say, for six hours. It was too much. I, I couldn't actually, I couldn't deliver it that way. Mm. But um, what I now realize is you need to know, what I need to know is why. What do I want people to take away from uh, from the day? Uh, whatever the module is what are the main takeaways how am I going to deliver that what are the key points and how am I going to reinforce it i.e. how are the people going to show me that they understand through either a game or an activity and that's it that is it they don't realise you may if you cover 90% of the curriculum for that day what I've realised then that 10% you don't cover you can teach it the next module Mm. You can throw it in as a like, almost like a refresher. So, guys, last weekend we did this, and here's a re- recap. And also, we can think about this as well. Anything you missed out on? That's been a big game changer for me. Has made the. I mean, I do. I, do, I don't plan. I mean, I do. I have. Well, I suppose I do plan. Mm. <laughs> when I say planning is overrated, I mean long term planning is overrated. No, I I think like life planning. Someone asked me on Instagram. Sorry, that, I saw that. What, I saw your, your answer. There's a couple like, what's yeah. your plan for the future? So, don't have a plan. Um, just on that quickly Sorry. too, the spam messages. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. I actually had a guy from here. I was saying, any good podcasters. What's amazing is for the first time ever, one of those spam things sounded like a sincere answer. And I was like, oh shit, I might actually get, I said something like, if you know someone who's interesting, put their name below. And someone said, hey, I just thought I could hold you. I'm a musician in town and I'd love you to check out my stuff. And and we could talk about that. And I was like, oh. Oh no. And then I put another question, which was like, um, like it was something silly, like who's your favorite, Kevin or Doug? And the same message came up. I was like, oh, motherfucker, he got me. Uh, he got me yeah. good, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know what that's about, but then he stop. It's irritating. Yeah. Um, then to your point, planning, I agree. In a similar way, this is a funny thing, actually, that I said just this week. Um, I said often on, when we're on set, like, you'll be given random things to do. As a stunt guy, every now and then you have to do some acting in front of camera, either right in front of ca- camera or like on a B cam or whatever. Like maybe sometimes it's just a look, you know. Um, but kind of the uh, the onset joke is you really, oh, I tend to big up my role. <clears throat> so like if they give me a line, like I'll step away straight away and I'll start doing like voice exercises, even though it's like, hey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like la, 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 la. And then someone distracts me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm, in the middle of something. Yeah. Unique New York. <laughs> so I'll do all that stuff, all right? I'll really mess around. <laughs> but someone will be like, we love that one, you know, it'll be something silly. Like this week, you had to run out door, like look up and then run. You know, we just had to look up and then run, you know? And someone came in and we're like, ah, oh, that was amazing, you know? Like, and they kind of been sarcastic, but they're kind of joking too. Um, 
and then there'll be an AD next to me. And they'll like there'll be a what next to you? An AD, assistant director, which oh. makes them sound a little more important than they are. Our first AD is like the general of the whole movie. You just disrespected the whole... <coughs> <laughs> but it is. Assistant director makes it sound like they're standing next to the director going like, I think this shot's good. Okay. They're not doing that. They range. The first AD pretty much is running the roost. The second AD has got important things. Third AD, same thing. But AD can cover all... He could be a runner or she could be a runner. Don't know what that is either. Someone who's just locking off, making people don't walk past in the background. Ah, okay. They could be stopping cars and engines. They, mm. they just do whatever. Mm. Um, so they rise up. Yeah. But then the ADs will then also just be helpers around set. So mm. for instance, this week, we're on five different floors mm. and this camera is coming up the stairwell. And as it comes up each floor, we need to make sure we run out on that timing so the camera catches us mm -hmm. um, in its peripheral vision. Um, and on each floor, it has to be an AD saying, now, 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 on each floor, you know. Yeah. So they, they, they're important, they're integral to the thing, but they're not right next to the directors, my point. But anyway, they kind of bored there and the first AD's come in and said, that's perfect, you're right. like, we like that, you know. Um, and then the bored AD will be standing there and I'll say, I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, how is it I act so well? And uh, I'll <laughs> tell you, here's the trick. I don't act, I react. <laughs> <laughs> so some of them are like, Oh, what a dick. Uh, other than thought it funny. All right. So I do think of the cat. But to your point, to bring this back to yoga, I think that's what you got to be doing as a teacher. You have to be reacting. Mm. Like we discussed, the weird skill set that is to be a teacher means that you have to be able to do a few different things. One of those things is read the room. Mm. Is this the type of room that wants a joke right now? I usually err on the side of, I hope so, because I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. But maybe they're not. Maybe that's not the right environment, you know? Um are they going to be the type of room that are going to appreciate a hard class or during the class? Is it too hard? Can you see people really struggling? You know, so you've got to, you've got to change it. So to your point about planning being not useless, but you've got to be able to be able to move. So you've got your rough plan. How then do you implement it? And do you have the confidence to change your plan on the go? Cause you have to have that in the bag. I think to be a good teacher, mm. you can't just stick steadfast to what you're going to do and go, I'm doing that no matter what I wrote it in my book. Therefore, you guys are doing it. Mm. I think the same with the teacher training. You've got to read the room and go, this is not landing. Okay, let's change it up. That requires you to know the data really well. Mm. To, to ad lib is a lot harder mm. than to read off your notes. Mm -hmm. and, the, and I think that's what scares people. People don't want to go off script because they're like, I don't know. You know. Maybe they do, but they don't feel like they know it well enough. Mm. So funny, I know so many teachers that have been teaching longer than me who I think are great teachers and far more knowledgeable than I am, but they still haven't done workshops or teacher trainings oh. or retreats. Mm. And and it's just confidence. It's so much, and I, I see them like saying, I'm doing my first one. I'm like, oh, after five years. I'm like, it didn't, not that you have to do workshops or anything like that, but I just think you could do it. It sounds like you want to, but you haven't. Mm. You know, and I think confidence is a big thing. And I wonder how much of that is an important training tool to give Students, mm. I mean, you know what the number one fear in the world is? Public speaking. The second is death. So that means at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. <laughs> yeah. Now that's mental. <laughs> you know? that Confidence comes from the story we tell ourselves, right? Mm. And the story we tell ourselves, I, I have, there's this great little, little acronym. It's like um, C for circumstance. 
So for example, my circumstance now is I'm, say when I first started teaching yoga, I was 33 years old, 34, yeah, 33 years old. And that was my circumstance. And then my, my view on that could be that I'm too old. And therefore, if my view is that way, my action is I don't take any action. And the result is I'm still doing what I'm doing. But in between that, that circumstance and the action is your perspective. And actually, um, I started listening to uh, A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Ah, mm. oh, mate. So he says, he says Viktor Frankl survived the concentration camps of World War Two. I'm sure John Peterson's mentioned this book. That's why I recognize that oh, title. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, one thing he says is one of his main takeaway, he, he's a psych, he became a psychotherapist. So he was a psychotherapist before he got taken mm. to concentration, concentration camps. But the question was, how can someone spend so long in such dire circumstances and maintain a sense of humor, maintain their spirit and survive? And it was that you have a stimulus and you have your response. And in between space between in that space between yeah, is where there's freedom yeah. and happiness. But that space between is how you choose to respond mm. to that stimulus, which ties in hugely to yoga. Yeah. And when something happens, what is this, the, our perspective? What's the story we start telling ourselves? And that's where, where your confidence comes from. And I think that often when we're, say when we're growing up, we have things that happen and we tell ourselves certain things. Like, for example... It, it, and I think language actually that you use your own self narrative is really powerful. Like people say, I'm a shy person instead mm -hmm. of I'm uh, feeling shy. Mm -hmm. And and, um, and this is something that it, it becomes, it's called a, a well, as well, there's a such, such thing as a, a negative bias or A-N-T-S. Um, what's the, um, I forget the actual acronym it's called, but essentially it's a negative bias where you everything that happens to you see it in a neg negative light and it's an actual um kind of a, a neurological pattern that you can't get out of and mm. you just you become that person it's like someone who moans a lot it mm. becomes just the thing that what part of their personality and um pat davili says something great he says he says something like instead of waiting to feel right to take the action take the action and that will make you f give you the feeling mm. so the other way around and i think that's that's so true of what you mentioned there about people not teaching workshops. When I have taught for years, when I did my 300 hour, they asked, okay, put your hand up if you taught public class. There was 30 people in the room, half, more than half people put their hand up because they're, you know, they're most of the teachers. Put your hand up if you taught a private, few hands came up. Put your hand up if you taught a workshop, hardly any hands came up at all. And these are some people who've been teaching for five, 10 years. Mm put your hand up if you've done a retreat and it just less and less hands came up. My hand was pretty much up for most of it. And I'd only be teaching for a year and a bit at that stage. And it was, and my, 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 sorry, very simple. My reason was why not? Mm. And in that environment, one of the people who have been teaching for years got very upset and said that the market that they're in, the country that they're in, there's, a kind of a yoga elite, you know, the young, pretty, blonde girls that can, they're the ones that have got popular Instagram and they get all the business, whereas they're kind of left in the shadows. And this person was was really upset, was was, was crying. 
and um, it, it was going on a bit. You know, that's the thing about teacher training is people can be like you can get steered off course so easily. It's very hard to mm-hmm. recruit them when 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 someone has something they want to bring out and everyone kind of gets involved. So this person was really upset about it, and everyone else was chiming in saying they're there. You know, I had to put my hand up and say, look, you know, this is my opinion. Uh, you're being a victim, and you ne- you need to see what you, positives you have. What do you have to offer that they don't? Simple as that. And it didn't go down well mm. um, because it seems like you're being quite harsh. But, I, but I'll it's go further. I don't, I don't even think it has to be what do you have that they don't. It's just what do you have? Because they can't do workshops all the time. So you could have, you could have an identical skill set to them offer the same things and you would still get people. You know, it's not even having one up on them. You could just offer something, mm. you know. I'd interest had this person like put one on and no one came. I don't know. You yeah. see, like that's interesting. Yeah, and even if they didn't come, that's no reason to not do another I've one. I've done ones where no one comes and you're like, well, yeah. well, that one doesn't work. All right, next. Yeah. But you've, it's, I realize this about myself. My biggest, well, how can I say? Definitely the thing that holds me back the most is, is my vanity. So my thing was, if no one comes, that must mean no one likes me. I can't handle that. So if I think there's a chance no one's going to come, I'm not going to do it. Instead of going, if no one comes, no one comes. They could not come for a plethora of reasons. Maybe one of those is they don't like me. Even if that is the case, mm-hmm. so what? Mm-hmm. But I've got to try. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely, I think uh, there's a great quote, which a man's reach exceeds his grasp. Mm. And so it should. Otherwise, what else is heaven for? Oh, nice. Thanks. That's the whole idea is that, but I maybe go to a little bit too far on those things. I get a little bit excited. I'm like, right, retreats. Let's go. I tried my first <laughs> retreat. Nothing. Like did I, you lose money then? No, luckily the setup on that one was like a co-host thing. So they pulled out. They were like, look, no one's booked on. And it's like two months to go. So luckily that was fine. But I had also, hadn't, I didn't have like a public class. I just used to teach like mm. every couple of months. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know what I thought. But mm. I thought, I want to try. So I did. And it didn't work out. So I was like, okay, next. How do we do this? Mm. You know? And yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, but th- in that circumstance, you could have attached a very different perspective and then mm. the, the action would have been, and the result would have been completely different. Um, but the, the, but on that story, because there's a lot to learn from that situation, Tony Robbins, in one of his seminars, a lady was crying. You know, you know, you've heard about this, but a lady was crying, really upset about something that happened to her. And someone went over to give her a hug. And Tony Robbins was like, sit the fuck down or don't fucking uh, hug her. It was like, whoa, Jesus. Mm. And Tony Robbins' rationale was, every time she cries about this topic, someone hugs her. So it's a bit like a baby or a puppy every time the puppy scratches the door if you keep answering the door every time i'm talking me personally mm. now because obviously i have alfie um people tell me ignore the scratching sometimes because they know every time you scratch they scratch mm. you're going to come and then they'll never stop scratching um and the same as my friend had a baby recently 
And I said, what's it like having a baby? What, 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 mm. like, what do you do? Do you sleep? He said, what happens is you, the kid is born, they're in their bed, they'll cry all the time. So the first time you go in, you comfort them. It's actually a technique. Comfort them and you do whatever you need to do. Next time you go in, you comfort them, you don't pick them up. The next time you go in, you sit next to them, you speak to them, but you don't touch them. And then you gradually, then mm. you eventually at the end of the bed, then all of a sudden you don't go in at all. Um, and this is this is has to be done with adults as well, mm. you know. And it, there is an argument to say, like, have some compassion for God's sake and give someone a hug if they need a hug. But if this is a cycle that they find mm. themselves in all the time and they're always, it's someone else's fault, and this is the negative bias thinking, it, when something bad happens, it's someone else's fault always. Instead of taking accountability and saying, mm. what can I do? Hey, look, I'm on board. I, on board. I agree with that. But yeah, I think that'll always be the counter argument is where is the compassion? I mean, the counter counter to that is, well, is it compassionate to hug someone now and they feel like this again later? Mm. Or is it compassionate to help them find a way to find their own solution? Mm. This is what we've got to do, right? You, you've got to find your own solutions. And I think accountability is definitely one of those things. I mean, I've just had a situation where two trees have blown down in my garden from the storm. I got massive trees in my garden. Kira, storm Kira. Yeah, yeah. And taking out the neighbor's uh, garden shed, Jesus. the other neighbor's trampoline, and the fence. So I got these huge trees there. Now, in January, they were like, uh, "Do you want to update your insurance?" I said, "Sure." Clicked it. I said, "No, no. Uh, actually, you need to call us." So I called them. No answer. I was like, oh, "I'll deal with this later." I haven't dealt with it. Now this happens. All right. The initial reaction is always, ah, oh, that's bullshit. You know, I can't believe this has happened to me. The other way to look at it is, well, I didn't like that tree anyway. Mm. And I wanted to take him down and I couldn't because it was a protected tree. So I wasn't actually allowed to cut it down like mm. four years ago when I tried to. So now it's kind of done me a favor in that. I do have to foot the bull, fine. But that is a direct consequence of me not being on top of things. Mm. You know, and uh, I very much subscribe to the order and chaos concept out there that you need a good balance of both and I think my life is it tends towards chaos a lot more than order and I like it like that but this is the ramification mm -hmm. that insurance is lapsed every now and then I'm thinking I'm too old for this I've got to get that's for me to get better that's the part I need to bring to my life more mm. I need more order not more chaos you yeah. know my life is pretty chaotic as it is you know mm. I don't really have a schedule I do what I want most of the time. So I need to stop bringing this in. But it only works if you go, that's my fault. Mm. And when it comes to yoga, I don't know where I heard this, but the idea of karma isn't, I, I may be incorrect. I may be talking out of turn. But I like this. So I'll perpetuate it. So if you want to join me in believing this, then please do. Karma is different to the sense of other religions where there's a deity that's punishing you or rewarding you. Karma, I think, is supposed to be a direct relationship to the things you do. So yeah. the literal idea of what you put action. out, action comes back yeah. to you. Not in a, I kicked a dog, mm -hmm. so now I got struck by lightning. You know, more like I kicked a dog, and the next time I try to kick it, it bit me. Mm -hmm. It's more, I, th I understand that is more to it. Yeah, I, I believe it's not cause and effect like people think, but instead it's it's of action. Yeah, you've started a ball rolling, Yeah, and if you don't watch where that ball's going it's going to knock something down like mm -hmm. a tree in your garden mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So that is, and you have to look at those things and go, 
God, all right, that is something. That mm. is something I need to watch. And I think that accountability thing is so important. It's not comfortable, but you you get more comfortable with doing it more and more. I think mm. certainly. And 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 this is actually something that has. Um, like say like with me and Rachel, we said to ourselves when we first started going out, we're never going to be the couple that blame each other and say, mm. well, you didn't do this or well, you didn't do that and hold things or say things like, oh, you would say that. Mm. This, this type of talk, what, what I do and um, I'm very conscious of is I'll always take accountability as much as I can to be like, what could I have done different in that situation? Mm. And then when you start doing that, your partner, what, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, whatever, husband, will will do will often do the same you know mm. so you'll say you know i should have say for example the dog i should have brought him out earlier say he, he wheezed in the house mm. and then they will and and then they will say often um yeah well i could bring him out a bit more myself and it becomes that type mm. of communication as opposed to oh this would happen to yeah. me it's like cooperation right yeah exactly yeah. And, and, and and the opposite's true too you should have done this oh well you should have done it never ends yeah what's funny is especially in amateur fighting, there's a one-for-one one thing where you throw a technique and someone can't help themselves, but they'll throw the exact <laughs> same technique back at you. Yeah. And like, and that's just how we are. You know, we, as humans, I think we, we lack a bit of imagination when it comes to combat. <laughs> you shut up. You shut up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got to get it. You're an idiot. Me. Yeah. Um, so I think that is interesting. It's, uh, it reminds me of a John Peterson talk I listened to recently he's been as we were saying like he's been putting out a lot of old content it was his mm. his talks in um, Australia and uh, he said a funny thing happens when you get into an argument with your partner and you agree with them they're not crazy about it to start with you know because when you argue with someone especially when you're very close part of it is you want a solution but another part is you want to shout mm. so when your partner says, you should have done this. She goes, I should have. You robbed them on that next part, which is like, ah, what? but I'm not <laughs> they're done. Not, they're not expecting yeah. that. Yeah. And you said, that's a very good yeah. way of disarming someone. Um, yeah, because I was saying to you today, today is the first day this week I've actually felt good. Mm. I've been very tired uh, just waking up at 3 a.m., 3.30, stuff like this because of the dog. And but what I've realized, if I get up early at that time, if I work out, so I go to, I've started going to the gym now, like as well as mm. doing yoga uh, at 5.30 and I do that at, at 6.30 and then I'm magic. But that one day that I didn't do anything, I kind of just did a bit of light stretching. I was, I was off the whole day mm. because I hadn't let out that tension. Mm. The tension has to come out. And if it doesn't come out, then it comes out on your partner or it, 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 with tiny things, mm. you know? Whereas how I was today, I had a, um, did a good uh, yoga practice, I and then I went for a swim, and the whole day nothing can bother me. Mm. You know, I think it's it's all it's all connected. You know that that energy has to come out some way. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's the mindset. I I really because th this weekend I was telling you I'm teaching the business of yoga to the teacher trainees, and. I've been told by some people that have done teacher trainings, especially in India, that this isn't covered a lot. Like you go do your teacher training in, in India, for example. This is just um, anecdotal, what I've been told. You come back to Ireland and you're like, right, what now what? How do I actually get get work? And I think there's a bit of a snobbery around that. 
I think people feel like, oh, well, you know, you're talking about business and yoga, it's a bit distasteful. But ultimately, if you don't know how to develop the business side, the marketing side, you won't get to share your yoga. Mm. But before the business and the marketing happens, the mindset has to happen. I, I, I actually, because I've been thinking about this a lot, I think about how am I going to um, te teach people to cultivate the right mindset to keep going. And what I realized for myself is that I overcompensate. And I haven't said this to anyone before, but I, this is just the truth. I will actually go around my house saying things like, you're the best. No one can, no one can, it's embarrassing, I know. I mean, I'm embarrassed <laughs> right, to say this. I, but this is over, I, I this, like it. This is overcompensation because mm -hmm. I, I feel insecure about certain things. So what I'll say is like, you know, that person can do it. Why can't I do it? Mm. I can do it, you know, or you know what? No one can compete with me. I, I can, this podcasting thing, I'm going to like knock out. And I do this um, and Rach sometimes is like, Rach should be like, you're nuts. Like, what are you going on about? You know, uh, and I'm doing it because I've got no one else to do it for me. It's like mm. I'm being my own coach, essentially. Mm. So, you know, you know, you go back into your corner after a, a, mm -hmm. a, a difficult yeah. round. Get in there, champ. Yeah, come on, champ. You're the yeah. best. You know, you're the best. I, I don't believe on, I don't actually think I'm the best. I don't think that exists. <clears throat> and uh, it's a kind of nonsense talk, really. But it's like listening to a Rocky song when you're going for a run. You know, mm. it gives you that boost. And if it can give you that boost to get off the couch and be like, you know what? I couldn't figure out Adobe Premiere Pro, whatever. I'm gonna. I'll give it another yeah. go. <laughs> Come on, champ. Um, and that that now I realise that that mindset can actually be destructive in a way because the whole thing of thinking like you're competing with other people is not healthy because there's always going to be someone else who's going to be uh, have more followers than you, be better looking, be uh, more popular, whatever it is. So how I'm sometimes the narrative I have in my head is actually not that helpful, but it's better than. Your, alternative, your, yeah. which is for me well who are you mm. to do anything who who's that look and listen mm. to you you know so i'm trying to cultivate a better narrative in my head and uh and hopefully like share that with people well the business of yoga thing if people aren't <coughs> into it the only people i think have a leg to stand on saying i'm not into that or is anyone who's going to teach yoga without charging for it the minute you do that that is now business so if you if you're gonna buy in to that bit, the rest is fair game. Like, then you need to know all the other things. How is it you sell a workshop? How is it you get your first few gigs? If you're just gonna do it for free, then that's a totally different thing. If that's gonna be your vocation, then so be it. But I think the business part is important because it's become an educational tool. Right, like people are coming through a curriculum to be a teacher. One of those things about being a teacher is they need to be able to make enough money, assuming they don't have another job. That that's going to do it for them. So that, I think it is an important part to put into it. Mm. I mean, it seems, it seems like it's something that doesn't fit into the yogic mindset. I, I, I understand that. But if people are going to teach it, then that's, that's how it's done mm. in the West, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if like, you know, to pay a mortgage, you need money. And if someone, m m it sounds so obvious, but money is, is how much value you attribute to something, mm. and if you don't value yourself a certain to a certain level, other people won't either. Mm. And I think I think that's the difficult thing to to truly believe that you're worth it. Yeah, <laughs> to quote L'Oreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
to, to believe that to believe that you're worth it and that takes a, a bit of time and then eventually you become that person mm. you you become the person who um, has the workshops has the retreats charges x amount and then it's just the way it is and if someone doesn't like it i've had people say to me uh, more than once that's way too expensive i go mm. okay cool no worries mm. i'll put my effort into something else and and then instead of doing something that is i feel i'm i'm not being um compensated for properly and wasting all that time i can invest into other things mm. that are going to give me a better return and more satisfaction as well yeah. it's it's a real shitty feeling when you're teaching and you're getting paid pittance mm. sorry doug no i was just going to say I, th I think it's a, a two-way street um Maybe people might misunderstand when you say, I'm going to give myself a ludicrous hourly rate, which is something Naval Ravikant talks about all the time, right? Yeah. You know, I think two things happen. One, you realize your worth, but two, I think you start to make yourself worth that. As in, if I say to myself, what do I want to get paid when I do workshop? Okay, I've set this number on it. My next question is, how do I make myself that valuable? Very Not good. simply... You should give me this money because, you know, I'm Doug Robson and therefore you should get... It, mm. Instead, I'm thinking, what is it I need to learn? What are the things I need to bring to these things that will make it valuable? Yeah. That will make someone go, actually, I think that is worth it. Mm. I, I'm not trying to rip someone off. I'm trying to set that value, inherently be worth that amount that people will pay it, mm. you know, for, for a myriad of reasons. You know, I'm trying to work out every time I go to someone's teacher training that I respect, I'm thinking... What is it they giving me here that I can't get somewhere else? Mm. Why why did I pay for this? Exactly. You know, and I I need to take that on. Um, I'm fortunate that I have this other work. It's weird though. I have the stunt work that can uh, support me, which means I don't have to be so money dependent on the yoga, which means I can take more chances. Mm. But that's also, you know, there's limits to how much I can do that. You know, at some stage, I'd like to move across here, but until that stage, and cross to yoga, not necessarily Dublin, although I do love Dublin, <laughs> as you may tell from how often I've been on here and how often I've been in this city. <laughs> but yeah, that's the idea I, I want. And I think that's the cool thing about yoga is, is you get a lot of older teachers, lots. And it seems to be the more experience they have, the better they are. That That's awesome. <laughs> you know, flip that to stunt work, the old guys all walk with limps and like have hearing aids and I'm like, shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so I like the idea of working in the subject matter. And I think this is what really appeals to me about yoga is that you get better the more you do it. Mm. Nothing else, just the more you do it, whether that's your own practice or teaching. If you do it a lot, you tend to get better. You tend to take on more information and that could be doing yoga in terms of doing actual classes teaching classes, going to people's workshops, doing your workshops, doing your retreats, going to talks, doing your own research, and you're accumulating this knowledge, which is making you, and we don't see this a lot, you see it in jiu-jitsu, where people, the young, strong kid doesn't have the advantage over the old black belt. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. I like things like that. That mm -hmm. appeals to me. <laughs> One, because I'm getting to be the old guy, so I, I want somewhere where Every time I do my job, I'm better, mm. you know, and there's not a lot of jobs that have that. Mm. You know, someone used to ask me what I used to do at the bank and I used to joke and say, I press shift F5 <laughs> because like, that's what it felt like. Like I knew how to do that. Like I knew how to do that quick spreadsheet, 
which was of no use to like that was non-transferable that was not oh i'll go to this next bank and press shift f5 okay but what if i need to write a book nothing well mm. is there shift f5 in the book no well then i'm out you know mm-hmm. whereas this is different i'm accumulating knowledge as i go through it and if i'm vigilant and i'm mindful every time i teach and every time i interact with people that i respect then i'm getting better i'm I'm getting more knowledgeable and I have more value to other people in, in the strictest sense of information currency. Exactly. You know, non-value of, of everyone's valuable. Mm. You understand? Yeah. No, absolutely. Information <coughs> currency is a great way of saying it. Look, when I go home from a teacher training, I write ferociously mm. for like an hour afterwards at all the stuff that I could have done better, that work that didn't work. And then because I know that it's never going to stop, I... Now, the thing is, you can teach for years, but you have to want to get better as well. You don't just get better. I, I, I mean, obviously, with it comes experience, but it's that thing of try something, plan it, try it, assess the feedback, refine it, go again. And that, that process means that as we get older, I realize my body's eventually going to start failing me. You know, I'm not going to be teaching mm. handstands when I'm 60, probably. I don't know. I don't know. Mind you, I am. I think possible. Yeah, I am. Like, I am uh, happy with how I'm aging. But anyway, mm. <laughs> that sounds very arrogant. But like, I'm like compared to when I was twenty. I'm thirty. I'm thirty-eight in a couple of weeks now. But when I was twenty-eight, I couldn't do any. I mean, I was weak Likewise, and just I, you know whatever. But yeah. But what I'm getting at is like, you know, Father Time is going to catch up to us all. But your mind and the knowledge you you collect is always going to be then just gather and gather as long as you are willing to refine it and how you deliver it. And that's what I, I absolutely adore about this profession is the craft of actually teaching. Mm-hmm. And I this is why I'm so interested now in shifting and, and focusing a bit more on how to teach like the mindset and, and uh, the stories we tell ourselves. And I, I find that so interesting because it's been so, uh, I hate using this word, but transformational for me. Mm. you know uh, l- like Pat, Pat Dibbley said it as well I should get a, like a quid for every time I say Pat Dibbley yeah. but about he, I resonate with this this resonated with me massively and I've talked about this before but how like circumstance in your kid is you fail an exam the story you tell yourself is I'm thick if you're thick then you're going to try and you want to be consistent with your past so you'll do things that reinforce that mm. so I'm going to be a little bit naughtier now I'm going to start messing around a bit more and therefore, that's now my identity. I'm now I'm that person. I'm mm. the thick guy in the class. Uh, and how we don't realize these patterns. You don't realize them at mm. all. And it's it's quite simple. And I'm not. No one's saying anything new for the first time. But it's a reminder of stuff that we we all need to hear. And if we don't hear it from a parent, an uncle, a coach, we could we could hear it when we're at any age from anyone that can get us to, um, you know. I suppose live our potential as mm. it were. You know? No, it's it's something that's really made me feel good about that because, like I said, I've done a lot of different jobs, and the the concept of, like you said, developing a craft is great. Mm. And you know, I think even if your body does fail as a teacher, it's about again for me, it's like how close you are to the information, to the data. Like if if you've done a forward fold. A million times you've probably you've learned a few things about a forward fold you've done it a few different ways and many different times and places and different nuances to it and the more you get to know it 
the more teaching points you have, you know, because our bodies are different, but they're also quite similar. Mm. Same with teaching. If you've taught that many bodies, you know, different shapes of bodies, different sizes, again, you've got more teaching points, you know, you've mm. got a vocab. And I think, I think, I, I don't know where I said this recently before, which was for a writer, they say you should have, for every one word, you should have 10 more. So for every word you write with, you should have a cinnamon, 10, mm. ready to go. And I feel like the same with teaching. Mm. For every one way you can teach, you should have 10 others. Mm. You know? Yeah. Strain yeah. your leg. Engage in your thigh. Yeah. The syn- yeah Lift up your knee. That's actually one of the games you do in, in teach training is a synonym game where mm. you, how can you say the same thing 10 different ways? Mm. And that skill of being able to improvise, I mean, it's a, it's a life skill. Really, if you can mm. do that, how you how you communicate, um, but yeah, it's it's it is a fascinating profession, but it's not for the faint. Well, I mean, we're not like out at warfare, but it is mm. not for the faint hearted. You know, you need to kick, give yourself kick up the backside a, quite a lot, and uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps quite a lot because mm. you haven't got someone else to do that. It's also one of the things that it can get too easy if you're teaching a public class, for instance. Not so much you, but if you're teaching public classes at different places, you could probably get away with a similar routine over and over and over and over again. Yes. You know? And no one's going to call you up on it. Yeah. Your teaching might not get better. And you might go, there's another thing I learned becoming a teacher. You might start going, well, I've taught yoga three times today, so I've pretty much done my own session. Like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. you haven't. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. One, you focused on the people in the room. The other one should be you focused on you. That should be your time, you know, and don't, don't equate the two. They're different things mm. and they've got different purposes and they should be treated differently. Mm. You know, don't use that time to get an extra cheeky stretch in or do your handstands. You know, mm. this is a very popular teacher in London, which it's so funny. Everyone always asks me if I know him I, for whatever reason. I think because we, we're in a similar space when London male teachers, I guess that's their thinking. But from two different people, they were like, what do you think of him? I was like, I don't know. I didn't been to his class. I never spoken to the guy. I, d- I don't know what to tell you. And they were like, thing is, when you're in his class, you just feel like you're there for his show. Mm. So he'll be telling you to do something. But like, then while you're busy doing it, he'll be practicing handstands in the back of the room. Mm. Like while you're in Warrior One. Mm. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll be like, wow, did you see how long I held that? Kind of that kind of thing. Mm. And I thought, I don't know what the case is. I don't know. I wasn't there. So I don't know what the, what happened in that scenario. But that to me is a, quite a extreme version of what can happen when you forget what is the classroom for. Mm. Classroom is there for those people. You're there mm. to serve those people. Yeah. Not you, not anything about you. Serve them. So how can you make this as good as possible does it require you to do a handstand maybe if someone doesn't get it and you want to show them maybe that's when you need to do a handstand mm. does it require you to adjust them physically maybe maybe if they didn't get it from the words you were saying then maybe that is the time but it's got to be from the perspective of them what's going to help them the most mm. and when we go into this mindfulness training tomorrow i think that was the point i wanted to make to them is that how could you help students become mindful so I mean, the argument is to be truly mindful, you need as 
little input as possible so that person can learn to do it for themselves. Like you were saying about the dog scratching on the door. It needs to learn for itself mm. how to fend for itself or whatever the case is. And the less you do, the better. You know, the same with the lady with the hug. But to a degree, you, you need to help facilitate that. Just like the baby analogy, you come in the first time, you pick it up, you hold it. So, you know, the same with whether it's a class, same thing in a class, you could tell them, I want you to do four sun A's. And maybe that is really good for someone who's been doing yoga for a long time and they need to practice internalizing what the cues are. Mm. But for someone who's just shown up, there's little to no use of that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, so you've got, you've got to find ways to help the students and depending on how much they know or how little they know, you have to, again, react to that. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it is being mindful as a teacher is so important because you can find yourself slipping into the narcissistic, egotistical way of, mm. look I, how impressively I can do something. Mm. Uh, and if you can't do that, then maybe try this. And you framed it the wrong way then. Mm. You said anything less than this is not good enough. Yeah. I, you see, I've done that before. I know, oh, same I know exactly what oh, you yeah. mean, where I forget. And I'll do it again probably. And, and then I'll still turn back and go, no, Kev, it's, it's not good it's enough. It's the way, in a way in which you say it. Yes. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, I I think it's better to show the progressive instead of the, uh, in your, in CrossFit they call it scaling. Mm. But I think it's always important to show the scaling up, not down. Yes. So don't go, okay, here's a muscle up. Can't do that? All right, well, I'll do this. You can't <laughs> yeah, do that? Yeah. Well, I'll do this. Because <laughs> then people, by the end, they're like, I'm doing this one, am I? And everyone knows this is at the bottom of the chain, you know. I I know it's no different in terms of where you put it, but mm. I think there's something to be said for going, try this, this is a really good place to be. Like, oh, this is, you know, this will work these muscles. Mm. And if this feels okay, then maybe lift one leg. Mm. And then maybe that feels really good. Maybe lift the other one. Then, and give them, give them those key points where they can go into. So, I don't know. It's like a silly thing. It's just how you frame it. Same with counting up and counting down, you know. They, they can feel like different things. Mm. And I feel like I've done that before. I've gone, do this. And I've seen someone not getting to go, just do this. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I can imagine they were like, no, I want to do that thing. You yeah. Know? But in the context of a public class, th this is the, going back to what you said earlier about doing public classes and, and um, you have a certain tempo you got to stick to. And yes. you can't, I, I veer on this side of talking a bit too much, mm. explaining things too much. And that can slow things down and make it the class a bit yeah. jarring. But with I, I love teaching public classes, but what I've realized is I and to quote Jerry Duffy, I need to I want to keep stretching myself. I can go in and teach a public class now, um, and I know what I'm doing, everything is fine. I don't feel pressure uh, really now. I um, because I have s uh, gathered so I mean, I have so many tools to turn to at any mm. stage. Although I, uh, the craft of teaching public class is never going to end. You know, I have way more to uh, improve on, but I know I can teach a good enough one that people will like it and come back, generally speaking. So therefore, I want to see what, what, what's next. You know, like teaching a workshop. Now, I'm, I'm due to be teaching a weekend of workshops in May, and that's my first time doing a weekend. And I, I, don't, I don't need to blow, blow up, what's the word, blow it up in my head? Blow your own trumpet? No, no, I don't mean to blow out proportion. Gotcha. Yeah, um, make a mountain of a molehill, as it mm. were. It's I've done a workshop, now I'm doing three of them. Mm. <laughs> Simple as that, as opposed to, oh no, a weekend of workshops. Mm. Retreats, um, teacher trainings, the, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, CBD, uh, CBDs, uh, uh, CPD, sorry, continual professional development courses. A, a CPD is a teacher training just in one day. 
Mm. I can do that. But it's a case of I want to stretch myself. And that's why I've cut back on my public classes because yeah. I want to. But you need space for those. I need space because I need to plan. I need to plan. I want to do them mm -hmm. as well as possible. And it seems like two years ago, I would have bitten your hand off to get some of these public classes that I've just uh, mm. given to someone else. But I, you, you can't, um, if you try, you have to put your energy in the right places. And um, I think now I'm teaching like six public classes. I'm doing a lot of corporates now, actually, which I, I didn't hardly have any corporates before. And um, I mean, from a business point of view, they pay, yeah. they pay very well. Yeah, much um, bigger bang for buck there. Yeah, but they're not necessarily long-term. You know, they can come and go. But um, my point is, Doug, is that, and I've said, I've said this before, maybe to, uh, to, uh, to nausea, but like, I, I, I never really want to feel like ready. Like, oh, I got this. Mm. This is a walk in the park. I don't need to think about it. Mm. I think like, like Pat Davili, him being nervous to me was so inspiring because I'm like, man, he's really nervous. This means it means a lot to him and he's stretching himself. Mm. And yeah, I love that. That's it. I, I kind of agree with you more. And I think the good stuff happens there. Yeah. You know, where you push yourself and you're like, wow, I don't know where I am, but like it's sink or swim time. Got to come up with something, and you do. And I'm the same. I at the time I thought I'd never stop being nervous in front and before class. Like I used to, I used to get really nervous, you know. And um, bless Erica, used to have to feel the brunt of that. And she, she was really good at being supportive and and helping me. But something had to change in my mind frame, you know. And that came when I was like, okay, has this ever gone bad? I was mm. like. No, mm -hmm. I mean it's not. It's not always gone the way I wanted it to, but it's never gone terrible. Mm. It's never gone, uh, you know. And I used to rehearse my stuff like too much. I, I used to be in the shower <laughs> the night before, going <laughs> through it at least once, you know. And then I wake up in the morning, go through it two or three times in my head. And I was like, all right, like enough now. Like, and then you've done the the good. Maybe that was you need to do that at the beginning. I don't know, mm. but I know that I did that enough that now it's internalized. So there's segments of routines that I'm like, oh, we can go to this little segment. I just need to know the first move and then I know. We did an active training course with a guy called Pascal Weiss. And he said, when you write down a washing machine, you don't have to write th down the transitions, just write down. When you write down a washing machine? Oh, yeah. So a washing machine is an acro when you oh. link together a whole lot of moves. Oh, sorry, and it looks like a washing yoga. machine because the girl or the guy on top is moving around, spinning around. Oh, sorry. Okay. And he would just write down the moves you go to. He wouldn't write how to transition because he said, normally there's only, there's some obvious ways. If, if he can see the first and the last movement, he normally knows what's going to come, you know, because he's done it so often. And the same with us. Like mm. I know a few transitions now, like there's a lot more I want to learn. Um, and there's probably a few different change training I'd like to do, but I want to be a lot more specific about who's teach training I do, you mm. know, Bryce Eater Klein, uh, Dice decline, yeah. Bryce, Bryce, yeah, Dice decline. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, his, for instance, I'd be interested in him. I like the way he moves. He's Where's that happening? I don't know. Oh. But, but I'm just telling you, this is on my wish list. You know, mm -hmm. why well, you're in? You're coming. You're like, uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge Dice fan. Yeah, I think he he does it really well. Like mm. I've been, it's probably from your recommendation because I had glow yoga anyway, mm. so I started doing his stuff. Um, so yeah, like there's a few guys. There's not many though. Mm -mm. You know, Crandall's another one. Mm, I like him. You know, but there's not, there's, there's very few in the world. Dice is quite progressive though. I mean, he does all the mobility work as mm. well. And also I like, I like the, uh, well, both of their personalities, definitely. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're both really good options. Um, but Dice, yeah, he's because he can do all the, the really physically impressive stuff, but he's more interested now in, in the very subtle, you know, biomechanics like how can your hip move in mm. internal external rotation instead of yeah, like he knows it well, right? A like, press handstand, mm. you know, what, what good is teaching a press? So his thing is like press handstand is great, but can you actually move your hips like the design to move, for mm. example? And I really loved that. how... It's, it'd be so easy for him to go around and just teach handstand workshops and mm. sell out all the time. But instead, he's interested in teaching something that he feels matters. And I, I really admire that integrity. Mm. Yeah, you do. I mean, even some of his stuff, though, he gets a little bit too technical. <laughs> See, he, loves technical. It, he loves it too much. Sometimes yeah. he's talking, I'm like, all right, let's... Let's go. I get it. Show me what you want us to do. You know. Yeah, you got. Um, you got. I, I, yeah. Sometimes you got to read the room. If people start yawning, you're like, oh, sh- okay. Yeah, you don't. Sorry, what, everyone. What's that? You don't. Oh, I've mistaken you guys for someone who cares. Okay, sorry, <laughs> so, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. But, yeah, but in a workshop, you can do that in a yeah, public. That's what the great thing about a workshop is. Yeah. I mean, a public class is really a hidden hope. It's a hail mary. It, <laughs> you know, it really is. You're like, all right, I don't know who's coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. here we go. Uh, you guys look like you can do that. Okay, let's yeah. try this. Nope. Okay, never mind. Mm. you know it's um it's tough and then it's really hard when you get like a real divide in the room mm. also i don't know why no one respects level one level two level three what do you mean like I, maybe it's the studio's fault maybe when they say level two it means you have to have gone to at least one class there oh, okay. at this level yeah okay yeah. because you get a lot, a lot of guys and i think it's guys who are mainly the the culprits they come with girlfriends or whoever it is and they're like don't got, got don't it. send me to level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll jump to level two. I'm an athlete. Yeah. And then in the class, they're like, oh, my legs are hurting. Oh, my arms are hurting. You're like, mm. you're like, what is this move? I don't know this one. You're like, yeah, I know because it's level two. Mm. It was on the door. Mm. It said that, you know. Yeah. And the same with level three stuff, you know. I've done a push-up. Yeah, not the same. Well, yeah. a lot of studios now just do open flow. And they let they say this is suitable. Beginners are not suitable. That's about as much as they're going to do. This is in Dublin anyway. And therefore... Um, you'll have to teach all the modifications, the regressions, mm. progressions. But yeah, it's um, it's. I think that's a wiser business move because otherwise, if you put on a level three class, level four class, hardly much, yeah, hardly anyone shows up. Huh. Um, so it's better to keep it open flow. But um, Doug, it's it's dinner time, mate. I'm so Amazing. glad you said that. I, I I'm feeling that. You're feeling that. I'm feeling. I'm doing fasting, so like I've oh, I've yeah. got a, a window of probably an hour twenty left to eat. Oh really? For the day, yeah. For how long have you fasted for now? No, so I do intermittent fast now. I did the three day thing uh, back last year, uh, last month. Yeah. Uh, and then since then, I've been doing uh, 14, 14, 10 most days. What do you mean? So not eat for fourteen, 14 hours. hours t- you had a ten hour window. Eat for ten hours now. Yeah. Crazy okay. research on that. Very interesting about what how your body's better designed for that, especially with circadian rhythms. Check out Doctor Sajan Panda. He's got. I think How it's pa- if, if, if it's not panda, I'm going to be very embarrassed. How do you spell that? Sachin. Mm, I'm going to say Sachin is S A T C H I N. Okay. Panda P A N D A. His podcast on what's your man's name? The British guy, the doctor. Man, f- live better, feel feel oh, yeah. better, uh, live doctor, more. Doctor, doctor. Oh damn yeah, it! Good luck. I got his book downstairs. Yeah, because um, I know you. He's someone you ch- look. chatter. Oh, I forget yeah. his name, but so. He he's one ahead of me in the podcast. That's why. That's why I thought you know him because I remember you saying that. So he's got him on there, and he he's like the expert in fasting, and the effects of fasting. Mm -hmm. Where he calls it time restricted eating because it's more, it explains it better. 
But the idea is that your body works very well with that limited eating. You can have the same calories uh, just in a smaller window mm. and you will the obesity and diseases tend to go away Yeah, because your body has time to, to readjust. Something about your esophagus and your lining of your stomach too, it doesn't do well. It gets damaged every time you eat and if you never stop eating, it never... I completely agree. Up. I think so. fasting is really important. It's just very difficult. So I really admire that you're doing that. So I, I'm ha- let's let's break. Yeah, let's uh, eat. Because I haven't eat. eaten for like almost three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Stop the fr- stop the press. <laughs> yeah. Okay, mate. Um, any final thoughts? Um, no. Can uh, I can I finish with a quote? Please. Is it one of mine? No. <laughs> uh, well, I'm less excited now. Victor Frankl, a man search for meaning. Life is suffering. Surviving is finding meaning in that suffering. Was that him? I would have, you're going to hate this. Do you know who I would have equated that quote to? Paul Gascoigne. No. no. DMX. In the start of his song, <laughs> one of my favorite songs ever. Rough Riders Anthem? No, it's from the album. A good, I'm a sorry. That's the, but he, yeah, but it's a great song. It's a great song of his called... To Live Is To Suffer. But to survive, well, that's to find meaning in the yeah. suffering. Oh, what is that? If we had like a slipping, that's what it's slipping. Called. That is I'm a great slipping. song. I'm falling. I can't get up. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. That's, that's the way I know. And people, you know what? I, I said to someone the other day, I was like, um, some lad in Australia, I'll give him a shout. Um, no, shall I give him a shout out? No, I don't know if he'll shout out, but like, uh, but some lad in, in Australia, another yoga teacher, and um, he's like, I just called him bro, and he's like, you know, you, you don't sound like you would say bro. Like, for some reason, I think people think I'm posh. Mm. They don't realise how street yeah. I am, Doug. I know. Do you know what I know. I'm saying? I know what you're saying. But it's only because I saw you stab someone outside before you let me in. Hey, come on. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason. It's I my property, you. right? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen, by the way, just uh, to say. Yeah, maybe it did, maybe. <laughs> uh, pleasure. Thanks for coming. Mate, it's pleasure. Let's, let's uh, stake it up. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, for those who are curious, we did have our dinner. But we went to the supermarket instead. I brought it home and then we cooked it at home. Always try and eat in if you can. Eating out is not great for you. That's just my tip. Tip for the day. Tip for the week. Yes, thank you uh, as always for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You can always check it out on iTunes and Stitcher. You can, if you like, uh, find it on YouTube as well. If you'd like to see the banter, see the interaction and see what goes on when we start recording, then check out our YouTube channel, The Yoga Life Podcast. I say ah, it's it's just me. But um, yeah, so as always, thank you so much. Please share, leave a review on iTunes. Have a great week, and I look forward to catching up with you next week.